for a, a closing prayer. But I think sometimes there are words of wisdom and encouragement offered at the moment that really help us carry on. I don't know what kind of batter you're facing today in your life, but I think the Lord has some words for us through the Apostle Paul of things that he wants us to remember. You know, often it's in the last few words that a person says that the most significant communication happens. If you know those are the very last words you'll speak to your family, they're going to be well-weighted. So I want you to think about that as we look at our scripture today, and it's in 2 Corinthians. It's the final section of 2 Corinthians. This is the second of three letters that Paul sent to to the church there. Now, the first two letters are recorded in or are preserved in what we would call the Bible, but there was a third letter as well. And it's in the final section of the second letter, though, that I think that we can, as people and as a church, just allow the manager of our life, allow Jesus to come and talk to us and say, hey, you know, you're God's people. You're God's people. You've got this. God's for you, he's not against you. God's going to see you through this. This is some great coaching. It really is. 2 Corinthians 13, beginning with verse number 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. We all want the God of love and peace to be with us, no doubt. But here Paul is saying, man, if you really want the God of love and peace to be with you, there's some things that you need to do. Aim at restoration, comfort each other, agree with one another, live in peace. One of the reasons we're sending cards to Leanna is because we are to comfort one another. The reason we're lifting up Dennis and Tanya Olson, who also I learned right before service was diagnosed with leukemia. Two of our families suffering with leukemia just in the last three or four days. We can come alongside them. We can comfort. We can pray. We can send cards. We can take meals. It's all part of what we remember we need to be doing as God's children. In the midst of all these other voices that are clamoring, political voices, opinions, all this stuff, the manager, Jesus, is pulling us aside and saying, hey, listen, it's getting near the end of the game. Verse 12 says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Leave your mask on. Don't do that. That's That is very cultural. That was very common during this time. We always need to take the scripture into context. We did have a general superintendent of the Assemblies of God. His name was Thomas Trask. He was from Michigan. Wonderful, wonderful man who always would kiss the guest who was there or if he was with other men, always kiss them on the cheek. And it wasn't weird. It was just this really kind of cool thing of affection. I always looked up to 
Brother Trask. I always wondered if I ever met him, if he would give me a little peck on the cheek, but I don't know. Never met him, so I don't know. 13, all the saints greet you. And then he gives what we would call a benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. See, Paul was a Texan. Be with you all. Yep. The, that's a beautiful benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus. Man, I need to walk in his grace. The love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the one that's called alongside to help us. I want us to look at this, this passage for a few moments this morning, particularly one verse, and that's verse 11, the first verse, because there's three really quick and easy to remember points here that we need to remember as often as possible. Three areas of focus, just as that pitcher needs areas of focus. He's trying to close the game. And Paul here highlights three areas that need to be our focus and our priority. And the first I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say is, is that we always need to be reaching. Always reaching. Always reaching. Now, it says here, aim for restoration. This is in the the English Standard Version. I don't know what your particular version uh, has as far as the interpretation of that Greek word. I really like the 1984 edition of the New International Version. And as you know, there's always new autographs being uh, discovered. And, and anytime there's, there's older manuscripts discovered, uh, the Bible translators then tweak things. That's why NIV, depending on if you have a 1984 version or a newer version, it might have a little bit different words. Not that they're trying to change the word of God. They're trying to bring it into conformity with the best and the most accurate manuscripts. But I like the word that NIV uses, their first translation, it's perfection. Aim for restoration. But I like that word aim for perfection. That doesn't mean that we're perfect. It means we're complete. Remember that. Anytime you see the word perfect in the Bible, it means complete. You're whole. Aim for wholeness. Aim for perfection. Aim for restoration. Another translation I looked up this week used the word completion. Aim for completion. We're always reaching. Always reaching. And there's a story that's been told uh, for a lot of decades, actually, about different football teams. Uh, the one I've chosen to use today is from the Green Bay Packers and legendary Reggie White when he was with the Packers. At the end of each practice, it's told when the groups of players would gather and run wind sprints, Reggie would never run with his own defensive linemen. Reggie always wanted to run with the cornerbacks and the safeties. Someone asked him one time, man, why are you running with them when you know they're so much faster than you are? And Reggie White said, that's the point. They push me harder. I run with them because they are faster. And if you notice, I lose by a little less every day. 
He had a positive attitude. He was never going to run like a safety would run. But he stretched himself. And I thought, man, so many of us, we want to run with the slower group so we can come in first. Or maybe we're really brave. We'll run with those who we're at par with, hoping that we might come in in the top ten. But how many of us do what Reggie White of the Packers did? How many of us do what Paul is telling us here to reach perfection, completion, restoration? It's a great intentional coaching from the Apostle Paul. Now, I don't know how true that story is, but man, it's a great point. Particularly for us who follow Jesus, we always need to be striving, always reaching, always trying to be better. In some translations, that verse actually says, aim for maturity. In some of the paraphrases, it says you're always growing. You're preparing. So I had to ask myself, man, Jerry, am I spiritually more mature now than I was a year ago? I hope so. If not, I need to be running with faster people. I need to be aiming. I mean, the physical changes are obvious for all of us, right? When we mature. But what about spiritually? Are we able to handle our disagreements in a better manner than we were a year ago? Are we able to handle discouraging situations better than we were a year ago? Are we able to handle those who are attacking us and our faith better than we were a year ago? David Glass was the former CEO of Walmart, and he said this about Walmart's founder, Sam Walton. There's never been a day in Sam's life since I've known him that he didn't improve in some way. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm talking about it specifically spiritually for us today. It's true, I know, physically and emotionally and in other ways too, but I'm talking about it spiritually. That's our goal. We've got to be moving in a direction of always striving, always reaching. And it's important to be working on ourselves. You know, you have to ask yourself, who who am I working on? Because if you're like me, it's easier to work on other people than it is yourself. It's easier to look at someone and say, oh, they need to grow in that area. Oh, they should handle that situation better. There's so many of us that are so distracted by other people that we forget that the scripture says, look inward, self-responsibility. Don't be so focused on other people's faults and foibles that you're not able to always be reaching for completeness and wholeness and perfection and restoration. Man, we learn that all the way through the scriptures in so many teachings of Jesus and particularly in the writings of Paul. Man, before we judge or condemn or even correct somebody else, take a closer look at yourself. Make sure your house is in order. Because for every speck you see in somebody's eye, there's probably a log in your eye. It's all through the scriptures. And sometimes we try to avoid taking responsibility for ourselves by deflecting to somebody else. We think, well, maybe they won't realize that my life is such a mess 
If I talk about how terrible this politician is all the time or how bad that group of people are because they don't do things the way that we do them. And it's interesting, the very last, and you know the first Corinthians particularly was a corrective book. They were misusing the spiritual gifts. And then he writes Second Corinthians. And it's very interesting of all the things that he dealt with in those two letters, he decides that he's going to summarize what's really important. Remember the manager coming out to the mound to remind the closer what's really important? And his last-minute instruction is, aim for perfection in your life. Put yourself in order. Reach to become better and more Christ-like in all you do. It's very similar to what the writer of Hebrews Many people think that also was Paul. We don't know for sure, but the writer of Hebrews said, throw off everything, every hindrance, every sin that will so easily entangle you. Sometimes that means you need to throw out and throw off some of those things that are, are in, is entrapping you. Always reaching to become better and more Christ-like, more holy in all you do. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Not on the church, not on each other, not on a politician. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Throw off some of that stuff. Bad, last fall I, I told you I just quit watching the news. Because it was entangling me. I was getting so wrapped up with this side and then wrapped up with that side. And I thought, this is no good. This is not doing me any good. Throw that stuff off if it's hindering your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the first priority. The second thing that Paul says here is that we need to be always listening and always learning. I put those two together because I wanted to have a three-point sermon. And otherwise, it would be four points. So I put them together, uh, listening and learning. Here's Paul's exact words. Now, this is kind of tricky because depending, again, upon your translation, it might not be in the text, but I almost guarantee it'll be in the footnote. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, listen to my appeal. Again, it might not be in the text, but if you look at the footnote, you'll see that that is part of the original, at least in, in most of the manuscripts. Listen to my appeal. He's talking specifically about all that he taught the Corinthians in the previous 12 chapters. And he's talking generally about all they had learned in the course of their Christian life. And he says, listen to my appeal. Now it's interesting that Paul doesn't say obey. We read obey sometimes in the scripture. Paul doesn't say obey here. He doesn't say obey my appeal. He doesn't even say accept my appeal because I'm an apostle. It's not what he's saying. He says listen to what I'm saying. Listen to my appeal. Weigh it out. Think it through. Clearly here, Paul believes that if his listeners will listen, they will see the wisdom of what he's saying. 
And man, that's such an important aspect of spiritual growth for all of us. Man, being a Christian is not a matter of being spoon-fed. Not at all. It's not a matter of just taking lock, stock, and barrel everything that some TV evangelist tells you or some pastor tells you. God gave us a mind. We're to think things through. We're to listen and we're to learn. Unfortunately, that's as much as some people want. They just want to be spoon-fed. Had a wonderful conversation with a couple this week about how there's just so many people who, who come to church on Sunday morning, but then they never open their Bible during the week. They never really pray during the week, never engage during the week with a personal relationship with God. It's one of the reasons this year we've encouraged all of you to read through the Bible with us. And if you don't have that plan, you can find it on our web page. It's called Journey, or I think there's still some hard copies of the Bible reading plan out at the uh, Welcome Center. It's not every verse. It's not every chapter. It's kind of a bird's eye view. But, and then we talk about it on a Wednesday night. We get together, and someone does a little teaching, and then we discuss it. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to help us listen and learn. The Christian life, any part of life actually, is not a process of just being spoon-fed what you think or what you should believe. And again, some people want that. They have their particular tribe. They don't want to hear anything else. They have their particular clique, their particular beliefs. All they want is that group to parrot. And we, we've seen that particularly in the last year. People leave social media because they don't like to see things that they disagree with. So they just go to a media platform that's an echo chamber. So everything they hear will be exactly what they want to hear. Well, that's okay, I guess, if you just want to hear one side. But man, we need to listen and learn. Not accept everything, not agree with everything. But man, so often we find ourselves in areas in which we resist hearing what we need to hear. Think about that for a moment. Man, if I know there's an evangelist in town and he's going to be preaching on an area that I struggle with, I might not be so apt to go hear him as I am the evangelist who's going to talk about the second coming of Christ. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we resist hearing what we actually need to hear. And I, I'm pretty sure that applies to some people here that were reading Paul's letter. And that's why Paul is appealing to them, saying, just listen. Just think this through. Take it to the Lord. Compare it with other scriptures. Seek counsel. See, growing in our walk with the Lord is a process of listening and learning. It's a quality of being teachable, not knowing it all. And I think all of us understand that the older we get, the more we realize, the less we know. I knew a lot more when I was 30 than I am now 60 plus a few, you know? It's just the way we are. But growing is a process of being teachable, saying, you know, I really don't know. But it's okay not to know. 
That's why the Bible says don't lean on your own understanding, but trust in God. It's the opposite of knowing all there is to know and having the final word. Thinking you have to have the final word on something. I did a wedding yesterday and the young lady, one of our members actually, uh, had lived in the Ukraine for a number of years. And her uh, sponsor there, her Ukrainian mother, had made something called uh, a kushnik, a beautiful embroidered piece of cloth. And it's traditional, the Ukrainians stand on that cloth when they're married. And so we were using that in the ceremony yesterday. And I just said to her, I said, Skylar, tell me a little bit about the tradition of this. And she said, oh, it's believed in the Ukraine that whoever steps on the kushnik first always has the last word in the relationship. I said, well, that might be a Ukrainian thing, but I'm not sure that's a biblical thing. Or, but I did watch to see how she jumped right on there really fast. Like, no, 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 no. It was a wonderful wedding. We congratulate. They might be watching today, and we congratulate Antonio and Skylar on their wedding. It was, it was great. And in time, they'll be back and, and be worshiping with us. But um, listen, when you listen, you learn. This is how Solomon, who the Bible says is the wisest person that ever lived, he said in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5, let the wise listen and add to their learning. Okay, third thing that Coach Paul is presenting to us today, the third priority, and it's really closely related, I think, to the, the first two, and that's always be connected. Always be connected. See, we haven't seen Leanna in over a year. That's okay. We're still connected. And I'm saying because we're a family. Paul says, be of one mind. This is again in, in verse 11. He says, agree with one another. Be of one mind and live in peace. Now, does that mean we're all, always going to think the same? No, it doesn't mean that. There's room for discussion. There's room for disagreements. But as we listen and as we learn and as we apply reason and grace and we think things through, we can come to consensus. Not because someone, you know, on high is dictating down to us, but because together we're able to listen and learn. I remember it's almost 17 years ago that we dedicated this beautiful sanctuary to the Lord. But I remember the three or four years before that, all the moving parts, all the people who contributed with our architect, with our builder. And I, I just, it, it's so beautiful. Sometimes I look at different areas of our building, I say, oh, I remember so-and-so had that idea. I'm so glad we listened. It was a not a cookie cutter thing. It was something we accomplished together. And that's, I believe, not that everybody got what they wanted, but at the end, everybody was happy. We were connected. Being of one mind doesn't mean that you're all going to have the same opinion. We're not. But it does mean that we all see the same big picture. The same big picture. We all share in the same values. Next week, I'm going to speak on 
one of the four values we have at Wenatchee First Assembly. And it's one of authentic community. Not just community, but let us nurture authentic community where we can disagree, but still remain connected. I love what John Wesley said. Of course, the Wesleys were just awesome people. But John Wesley said this, though we cannot think alike, may we not love alike? <laughs> if we have the love of Jesus in us, though we cannot think alike, may we not love alike? That's what it means to be of one mind. Live in peace. A couple years later, uh, Paul wrote to the Roman church. I know Romans comes before Corinthians in your Bible, but chronologically, Corinthians was written before Romans. So Paul wrote later to the Romans, Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. Not as far as it depends on the other person, but as far as it depends upon you. Romans 14, 19 says, let us there make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. I tell you, God, God places a high priority on people living together at peace. And so should we. Particularly in the day and age that we live in, the country we live in, the polarization. And we're living in a time when just getting along with one another and, and living at peace is more difficult than ever before. I mean, people are on edge. They're stressed. They're worried. They're afraid. And it's up to you and I to bring peace and unity into every potentially tense situation, every potentially tense conversation. Like what Eleanor Roosevelt said, it isn't enough to talk about peace one must believe in it. And it isn't enough to believe in it. One must work at it. Man, that's pretty good advice. Mrs. Roosevelt's words ring true, not only in her context, which was on an international level. She was, you know, not talking about a church. But those Words ring true on a church level. They ring true in your home. Whether you have two people in your home or 12 people in your home. Those words ring true on a friendship level. It's not enough to talk about peace. It's not enough to believe in peace. We must work at it. And that's why the Bible challenges time and time again, do what you can to live in peace with one another. And again, I know that is countercultural, but the church is set apart. We're not to be conformed to the culture or the world. Man, the culture of the world is, you know, the, the cancel culture. Well, you don't agree with me, I'm going to unfriend you. What? That might be the culture of the world. It's not the culture that God wants us to have as a body of Christ says, do whatever you can. It's not a casual suggestion. Work at it. Do whatever you can. The top priority of our life, as the former first lady said, is to work to make it happen. And you know what happens in doing that? Well, we read it earlier. 
in doing all this, we will experience God's power. We will experience his love and his peace. You see, it's connected. You won't always have God's love and peace if you're not working hard to have love and peace in your home, among your employees. But this is a wonderful promise, isn't it? Keep reaching, keep listening and learning, and keep connected to God's people. And then God will be with us. And we all want God to be with us. Make it a priority. I really think that in many ways it's the bottom of the ninth. I know I've been told all my life that, you know, we're in the last days. We're in the last days in the 60s growing up. The Cold War. We're in the last days in the 70s. Kissinger was the Antichrist. I mean, you know, on and on. We're in the last days in the 70s. And some of us lived through, you know, Y2K. We were certainly in the last days then, weren't we? And I'm not really making light. I, I really not. I'm just saying that we are closer now to the coming of the Lord than we've ever been. And if you look around, the very elect are being deceived. They're being sucked into peripheral agendas. You see many, many church leaders, many, many church people who once had a passion for Jesus, who are now have passion for things of the world. They're being deceived. I believe we are in the ninth inning and the game is on the line. There are people who need to hear the good news of Jesus. And they're going to see Jesus in us. And the manager, Jesus, the manager of our life has exited the dugout. And he's talking to you and I just as the manager talks to the closer. And in this case, it's Apostle Paul's writing. But think of the pitcher's mound as your daily life. What would his last minute message to you be? What would be the sermon on the mound? It's right here. Keep reaching, keep listening and learning, keep connected to God's people. Lord Jesus, we've heard your word today, and now we need the power of the Holy Spirit to apply it. It goes against our our grain, because we want things our way. It goes against uh, uh, our feeling of comfort, because we just like to be around people that, that think the same that we do. But God, you're telling us that on the pitcher's mound of life, we need to keep reaching and striving. We need to keep listening and learning, and we need to keep connected. God, I pray for every person who is in this auditorium today, every person who's watching on live stream. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit to not just agree, but to actually apply these principles to our life. Before every day, Lord, every conversation, every meeting, every decision we make as a parent or a grandparent or as an employee, Lord, help us to pause, to settle down, Get out of the emotion, get out of the panic, get out of the chaos, get out of the, all the feelings that we have 
and allow Jesus to come onto the mound and whisper in our ear. Lord, I believe that if you will help us to keep these priorities, our priorities, that we will experience exactly what the scripture says. The love and the peace and the power of God will be with us. And that's what we desire today. Will you stand with me and once again, just lift your hands up toward the Lord. And as a, as a church, because these principles apply to us as when at you first assembly as well. And then Lord, give us the power and ability through your spirit to live the kind of life that would be pleasing to you, that help us to finish strong and experience the love and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen.